Thank you for listening to Connection Church's podcast. This week, Brandon Williams concludes a series entitled, I Am. This week, we look at the statement that Jesus makes, I am the true vine. A tree can't bear both good fruit and bad fruit. Brandon challenges us to look at our life and discern what type of fruit we are producing, and if there is anything in our life we are still on the fence with. Morning. How's everybody? Excited to be here, everybody, over your turkey hangover? Everybody good? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to have to diet now to get ready for Christmas. You know what I mean? Lose a couple so I can put it back on at Christmas. But had an awesome Thanksgiving. Hope you did, too. Um, we're going to continue the I Am series this morning. Um, we're actually wrapping this up. And as you saw uh, from the, the, the Marital Arts promo, we're going to start the Marriage and Relationship series next week. Very excited about that. It's been on my heart for a long time. So I'm very excited to be able to share those messages with you. Um, before we do that, though, I do want to mention... Two things that are very important. The first is, if you have not been baptized as a believer in Jesus Christ, Jesus was very clear that once you receive him and you trust in him as your Savior, your next step is to be baptized. We want to encourage you to take that next step. If you have not signed up, you can sign up uh, at the Next Steps table out in the atrium. Uh, to be baptized on December the 11th at Splash in the Borough from 4 to 6. If you have been baptized, uh, we want you to come out that day so that you can celebrate with us people going from death to life and, and to celebrate their public profession of faith and have a fellowship time uh, that we can all get to know each other um, and, and just hang out some. There'll be opportunities to swim. We're going to be under the dome out there. It'll be a, be a great time for you to come and, and hang out, go swimming if you'd like. Um, we'll have some food and, and, and drinks and things like that. So just come hang out with us. But if you need to be baptized, make sure you sign up. The second thing, very, very, very important. Um, I need to say happy anniversary to my wife, Susan. Yeah, 12 years today. 12 amazing, wonderful, incredible years together. Amazing wife. Anyone who can live with me is an amazing person, I promise. And yeah, my mom just clapped. I appreciate that, mom. And, uh, but yeah, I'm just so thankful for my wife. She's truly my best friend. Um, I love her so much and, and just very, very thankful for her. Um, hope that got me some brownie points. So, um, no, I really seriously, um, love her dearly and, uh, just thankful I get to spend life with her. Um, we're going to jump in today. If you have your Bibles, John chapter 15, looking at the last I am statement out of the gospel of John. John chapter 15. We're going to read verses 1 through 7. Today we're looking at the I am statement in which Jesus made and when he said that I am the true vine. So John 15, we're going to read verses 1 through 17, and then we're going to jump in and see what God has to say to us today. Verse 1, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. 
You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything I learned from my father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity we have to hear you speak to us through your word, God. I pray that today um, the very words I speak would be empowered by, by the Holy Spirit, God, that you would speak what we need to hear into our hearts. God, do something incredible through us today. Do what only you can do. Change our hearts. God, do uh, an amazing work. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let me ask you this, um, and I don't want to be too stereotypical here, but let me ask the ladies a question real quick. Guys, you can raise your hand if you want to. I probably wouldn't. But, but ladies, let me ask you a question. How many of you lost your mind on Friday? Right? Raise your hand. Let's be honest. Lost your mind on Friday. You went Black Friday, right? And y'all, y'all are like, I didn't lose my mind. I just went shopping at midnight, right? right? My wife lost her mind on Friday, and, and, and she drove to Augusta, with her sister and her cousin, and and went to Augusta. They got there at 9 o'clock that night, never went to bed. They were at Target at midnight. I talked to her at 6 o'clock in the morning. I was on the way to go hunting. I mean, there's there's definitely nothing weird or odd about getting up at the wee hours of the morning to go kill innocent animals. And so I I was up early, and so I knew they were already shopping. And so I called her, and I said, hey, how, how are you doing? I just wanted to check on you, make sure you didn't get trampled, you know, whatever might have happened. I said, are, are you okay? And she goes, yes, we are great. And my heart sank. Because I knew exactly what that meant. You know what I'm saying? That, that means we have spent a bunch of money, right? And, and so they, they started shopping at midnight. They left Augusta at noon. 12 hours of shopping and no sleep. I was like, oh my gosh. I could not believe that they did that. And, and see, I'm really grateful that they do that though because then when she says like, you're crazy for getting up at five o'clock in the morning to go and go hunting and sit in a cold deer stand and wait on a little deer to come out, all I have to do is go, <clears throat> Black Friday. You know what I mean? And so I've got, I've got this, this comeback now. And so they spent all this time, they went through all this trouble and they did all this stuff. And guess what? They came home with all kinds of things. You know, she came back from that experience in Augusta with something to show for it. I never saw it, but she came back with stuff to show for her experience in Augusta. It was not a wasted trip. She went and accomplished some things. She came back with something that was evidence that she had gone and experienced the phenomenon that is Black Friday. And you know, people absolutely lose their minds on Black Friday. I was in Walmart six. 30 on um, Thursday evening. And it was already crazy. People were already getting irritated. I heard one guy on the phone. He's like, hey, 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 you stand there until they give you that ticket. Because if you don't get that ticket, you're not getting the trampoline. I was like, oh my gosh. Like, geez. And so I grabbed the kids. I had had my two oldest boys around. Let's get out of here. Let's go. And people lost their mind. But you know what? My wife went. She had the experience. She went to Augusta. She came back with something that was evidence that she had been experiencing Black Friday. I was thinking about that this week, and I thought about how crazy would it have been for her to have gone to Augusta, for her to go through all that trouble, 
and come back and just have nothing. And I was thinking about how it applies to our life as, as Christians. Certainly we have experiences in our lives that, that impact us in such a way that they change our lives forever. They, they impact us in such a way that there is evidence that we had the experience in our life. I don't think there's any experience that should impact our life and give greater proof of evidence that, that, that we've had the experience than when we meet Jesus. When we come to Christ, there should be evidence in our life that something has happened. Does it even make sense that you and I could possibly meet the God of the universe and and have him become um, an indwelling presence in our life at the very core of our being and us walk away and have nothing happen? That doesn't even make sense, does it? That we could possibly encounter God, have him indwell our lives, and have nothing to show for it, to not be changed in any possible way. I believe this is what John 15 is all about. It is about producing fruit because we have had an encounter with Jesus Christ, and it is about us abiding in Christ and that fruit becoming ever more increasing. When we meet Jesus, one thing that is for sure is our life changes, period. It's funny, I want to show you something real quick out of the book of Genesis. Let's go all the way back to the beginning because I want you to, to see something real quick. In verse 1, you can just listen. You don't have to turn there. It'll be on the screen. Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, it says, God blessed them, meaning the man and the woman, and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish, the sea, and the birds of the air, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. What did God say? He said, be fruitful and increase in number. What was the very first command that God gave us as people? Be fruitful, increase in number. And you know, the funny thing about that is that command never changed. God's desire is still for you and I to be fruitful and to produce and to multiply. That through what God does in our lives, other people's lives are changed. That people begin to know who God is because they see the reality of God in us. It's never changed. It is still the same thing. And here's the awesome thing about it. You and I were created to produce godly fruit. Isn't that incredible? In Galatians 6, 9, this is what it's, let me read this to you. Just stay right there. We're going to look at a lot of scripture today, but I want you to hear this. Galatians 6, 9, it says, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And this is what I want to encourage you with today. God has called you to reap a harvest for the kingdom. Isn't that all? I mean, woo, that is awesome. God's called you to produce godly fruit. And the promise in scripture in John 15 is that if you abide in him, it's not that you might or you could or you possibly would. It is that you will produce fruit for the kingdom of God. That's good news. Isn't that incredible? You know what's screwed up though? What's jacked? What is messed up? This is what's messed up. When we hear that God has commanded us to produce fruit that glorifies him, that, that brings glory to him, What's really messed up is the fact that we see it as a burden rather than a privilege. That's messed up. We think about what we have to do rather than what we get to do. We think about what the motions are we've got to go through, the effort we've got to put in, rather than the fact that the God of the universe wants to glorify himself through us. 
The good news, people, is this, that we have been saved by a loving Savior. We have been indwelled by the living God. We have been made clean so that a holy God can live inside of us so that we can produce fruit for the kingdom. This is the thing, though, that I want you to understand. This is what I want you to see right now. It's out of Genesis chapter 1, verse 11. I'm going to read this to you. It says, Then God said, Let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to the various kinds. And so it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. God has called us to produce fruit. The thing that I want you to understand, though, is the fruit that you produce in your life is ultimately going to reproduce itself. In Genesis chapter 1, 11 and 12, we see this principle that God put the seed of the fruit within its fruit, right? If you eat an apple, what kind of seed do you find? Apple seed. If you eat an orange, orange seed, right? You've never eaten an orange and found an apple seed. I, I can promise you that. And so God took the seed of that fruit and placed it within that fruit. And what happens when that, that, that apple falls to the ground, it dies, and it goes into the ground? That seed produces an apple tree. So that God, in his plan, has placed his seed within that fruit so that it then can produce fruit again. God has called us to produce fruit. God has sown his seed into us through his Holy Spirit. That means that you and I have the opportunity for that seed to grow, for that seed to begin to produce fruit. As we abide in Christ, as we cling to Jesus, that seed begins to grow. It begins to produce fruit. And as we begin to produce fruit, that fruit goes into the world. People begin to see the characteristics of God. What is the fruit of the Spirit? It is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all of those things begin to be produced in our life as the fruit of the Spirit. And that seed that was sown in us that produces fruit goes into the world and that seed begins to grow in the hearts and in the lives of other people. It's just a principle of sowing and, and reaping. It's what God has sown into us that he desires to grow and to begin to produce fruit so that it can be sown into the lives of other people. But here's the truth, guys. You've got you to understand this, folks. Listen. The fruit that you produce, the fruit that you produce is what you're going to sow into the lives of other people. Period. And my question is, what fruit are you producing? I'll say this. Most of the men in here today, you will, you will reproduce yourself physically in some way, whether it's through childbearing, whether it's through adoption, whatever it may be. You will reproduce yourself in some way physically in this world, most likely. Not everybody's called to be married. Not everybody's called to have children. But listen to me. Most men in here today, you will reproduce yourself in some way physically. Let me ask you this. How are you reproducing yourself spiritually? How are you reproducing yourself spiritually? What fruit are you sowing into the lives of your children? And listen, listen, listen. It's awesome that you say the blessing at meals. That's great. That is wonderful. It's awesome that, that you read that devotional at night. But you know what's going to impact them more than anything is when they see the life of Christ lived out in you. Because, listen, if we're just doing a blessing, if we're just doing a devotional, and they're not seeing it lived out, you know what they're getting? They're getting conflicting messages. 
Well, we read the Bible, but then, man, daddy talks to mama like crap. We read the Bible, but, but man, I always hear how, how daddy fights with people and, and, and he's at work and he does all these things. And, and, he, and he's not, I just see these things that just don't go together. I, I hear, you know, the, the, the good things come out of his mouth. But then all of a sudden over here, there's cursing. And over here, we're watching stuff on TV that I know is just not right. What are we telling them by the fruit that we're producing? What's the fruit of our lives? Do they see patience, love, joy? Listen, and let me say this. None of us are perfect, man. But what are we striving towards? Are we teaching them about the faithfulness of God? Are we teaching them about the love of God? The unconditional love of Jesus? Ladies, what are you sowing into your children's lives? What are we telling them is most important? If you ask your children today, what's the number one most important thing to daddy? What would they say? If you ask your your children, ladies, what's the number one most important thing to mama? What would they say? That's a scary thought, isn't it? What would they say? We need to be asking ourselves that because the fruit that, that, that we're producing is ultimately the seed that we're sowing. And here's the thing we need to understand, folks. God is very clear. He will not be mocked. We will reap what we sow. We are going to reap what we sow. So what fruit are you producing? Is it fruit that's consistent with God? Is it fruit that's consistent with with Jesus' life being lived out of you? What fruit are you producing? See, I believe this about John chapter 15. I believe that it is an incredible heart check. I believe it is an awesome opportunity for us to be able to look into God's word and look into our own life and see what, what is God doing in me? Is God in me? Am I living for God? What's he producing? What's the fruit of my life? It's an awesome opportunity to check ourselves. Because here's the thing I would tell you. If the confession of our mouth does not, does not reflect the life that we're living, there is a disconnect somewhere. Right? There's a disconnect somewhere. If what we're professing, what we're confessing is not evident in our life, then there's a disconnect. There's something that's not connected there somewhere. Somewhere we become disconnected from the vine. And so today, I really want this to be an opportunity for us to, to, to be able to, to, to make sure our heart is in the right place. To make sure that, that, that we, we're connected to the vine. To figure out if, if we are connected, then, then what's God needing to prune so that I can produce more fruit? Isn't it incredible that God never gets to a point where he goes, all right, you've produced enough. It says ever-increasing fruit. That means God wants to continue to do more and more and more in our lives. That should be exciting. That should be something that we get amped about, that we're like pumped about, man, that God wants to continually do more in my life, pour more in so that I can pour more out and see more and more fruit produced in the lives of other people for the purpose of glorifying God. Remember, our purpose on earth is to glorify God and fill the earth with his glory. I I want to, I guess, liken it to this. It's like having an EKG physically, right? Anybody ever had to do that? I had to do one one time, man, where, where I had to wear this thing home. You ever had to do that one where they like put all these things over you like some kind of Frankenstein or something? And as you got this little pack and they're like, we just want you to rest normal. I'm like, how do you rest normal with this thing? You know, and all this stuff stuck to you. 
But it, what it did was it monitored my heart. It was a heart check to make sure my heart, my ticker was working good because you know what? It's not a good thing when your heart stops. It's kind of important that that thing keeps moving, right? And so, and so we, we, we do things to check it. Today we're going to take a heart check. And I would set it up like this. This is what I would ask you because we're talking about producing fruit. We're talking about the seed that we're with this being sown. We're talking about what God is doing in our lives. I would ask you this. If you were to hire me, right? I came to work for you. And you hired me to go and plant apple trees. And you, you invested in me. You're paying me. You've invested in me. You've invested in the seed. And you give me the apple seed. And you say, I want you to go and I want you to plant apple trees. But then I go and I plant orange seed. What's going to grow? Oranges. Oranges. Oranges are going to grow. That seed is eventually going to begin to produce orange trees. Well, when I come back to check on my investment, when I come back to see what you've done, what do you think is going to happen? After these trees have grown, they've begun to produce fruit. What do you think would happen? I've made this invested investment. I've invested the time. I've invested the effort. I've invested the money. I've invested in you. And then all of a sudden I come back and I walk into my, my apple orchard and I look up and it's all orange trees. There's some things I think we can learn from that. There's some things that I think we can take that illustration and begin to draw out because I believe it's the same thing. God has made a huge investment in you and I. Is there anything more valuable than his own son? Is there anything greater than than God himself laying down his life for us? Is there anything more powerful than to think of the God of the universe knowing that the only way he could spare us was for him to come to earth, take on human flesh, live a perfect life, and die so that our sins could be punished through himself, not on us? Is there anything that is more powerful? Is there any greater investment than that? And here's the thing I want you to understand. From that, you can draw the fact that God sees you as infinitely valuable, as infinitely worthy of his love and his grace. He would not have done it if he did not place incredible value on your life. He has made a tremendous investment. But when he comes, when he, when he looks, when he sees, does he look at us and look at the investment he's made in our lives, the investment he's made in the world, and see the fruit of that investment? I think the first thing that you would see, if you had given me those apple seeds, and I went and I sowed orange seeds, and the orange trees began to produce these oranges, and, and, and you come back, the first thing that you're going to know beyond a shadow of a doubt, the first thing you're going to know is that a clear command has been broken. A clear command has been broken. Beyond a shadow of a doubt, a clear command has been broken. You know, as parents, we do some weird stuff, don't we? If you've got kids, you do weird things. Like my, 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 my son, Dake, um, he gets embarrassed real easy. And the other day I told him, I said, Dake, I want to explain something to you, son. I will never embarrass you intentionally, but I am going to embarrass you. It's just what parents do, Right? And we're riding to school, and, and we're on the way there, and they, they always love to listen to uh, the iPod on the way to school. And so we start getting close. We're still a block away. I start turning it up a little louder and rolling down the windows. And Dave literally flips out. He's like, oh, roll up the window, roll up the window. And then I got Jackson, my other son, my five-year-old, and he's like, turn it up, Daddy, turn it up. 
And Dave's like, I haven't paid. Turn it down. And I roll it up. I'm like, Dave, do you really think I would do that to you? But the truth of the matter is, parents, we do weird things, right? I mean, we, we just do crazy stuff. One of the things I realized about being a parent is, and, and, and that I realized when I was a child, is that when a parent asks you an obvious question, you know you're in big trouble. Like, like you're sitting there, we were at uh, Ruby Tuesdays one day eating lunch after church, and Dake did something. And I said, Dake, do you realize what you just did? I said, Dake, do you, do you know what you just did? And then I was like, that's the dumbest question I could possibly ask him. He just did it. And then you start slowing it down, and when you start breaking it down to individual words, it's like they know then you're like almost to the point of the belt coming off. You know what I'm saying? It's like, what did you just do? You know what I'm saying? And that's the point. It's like, you know, and you don't care who's looking at that point because you're so frustrated. What did you just do? And then you see the fear of God hit them. They're like, and they know you asked an obvious question. And what did that do? That made it very clear to them. They had broken a very clear commandment. They had done something that they should not have done. Right. And they knew. And here's the deal, guys. If we have, have, have seen the investment of Christ, if, if we recognize what Jesus has done for us, if we recognize what God has done for us, and there is no fruit in our lives, then here's the obvious thing. We have broken a very clear commandment. We need to realize that. We have not been obedient to God. God said, be fruitful multiply. He has sown the seed of the Holy Spirit into our lives that it can produce his fruit, that that fruit would be sown into the world. And then that seed that was producing fruit in us produces fruit in other people. What's the fruit of our lives? What is the fruit of our lives? Is it something that we look at and we see it as this burden? And listen to John 15, 6. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up in the fire and thrown into the fire and burned. John 15, 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. One more verse, verse 8, 8, 15, 8. It says this, this is to my Father's glory that you bear fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. He tells us very clearly, if you abide in me, you will produce fruit. And he says, listen, I have chosen you to produce fruit. I've commanded you to do this, but I chose you to do it. What an awesome privilege to be chosen by God to bear fruit for the kingdom. And then he goes on and he tells us in verse 8, he says very clearly that this is to my Father's glory. That when we bear fruit for the kingdom, he begins to reveal himself through us. It is for his glory. But I'm amazed at how many people see this opportunity to bear fruit, to abide in Christ as a burden. And what that tells me is that we truly do not have a revelation of who Jesus really is. Because if we see who he is, then it is no longer a burden. If we see who he is, then it becomes a privilege and honor. We begin to live out of grace, not guilt. We begin to live out of gratitude for what he's done. And so we begin to see this. I want to ask you this. What was the commandment? It was very simple. He said, love each other. Love God. Love each other. How screwed up have we made that? How, how, how has it become about so many other things? 
rather than just loving God and loving each other. It's very clear. If you'll abide in me, do what I say. You'll, you'll remain in me. Love each other. We've made it about programs, committees. We've made it about all this other stuff. And Jesus said, it's real simple. I know y'all aren't this smart. Just love each other and love God. And somehow we complicate it to be all these different things. But the truth of the Bible, the truth of Scripture is if we will love him, we will abide in him, we love each other. And and from that overflow in our lives comes the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of God. The second thing that that I know, if you came and you began to see where oranges were instead of apples, the thing that you would know is that you're smart enough to know that oranges and apples don't grow on the same tree, right? You know that, right? I mean, you, you walk in and you're like, hmm, that don't happen. You're not going to be fooled. Here's a question I would ask you. Do we really think we can fool God? Do we really think that we can fool God? Because here's the thing that happens in church so many times. We come in as pretenders. We come in as pretenders. And you know what we call it? We call it hypocrite, right? And hypocrite even becomes a crutch that we can lean on. Well, we're all hypocrites. I don't believe that. I honestly do not believe that. Because this is what I believe. The the word hypocrite actually came from a Greek word. And I'm not even going to try to pronounce it. But the Greek word basically means this. It It was an actor. It was somebody who was putting on a show. It was somebody who was acting like someone they weren't. Right? And so they were acting like somebody they weren't. When we call somebody a hypocrite, it's because they're putting on a show. They're acting like somebody they're not. But the truth of the scripture is, the truth of the Bible is, that when we come to Christ, we are who he says we are. It means that through Christ, we have been made perfect. And and so the deal is that we should live our lives as though we are, but aren't yet. Right? Think about that. We have been made perfect. But we've not yet attained perfection on our own. But the truth of the matter is we should be moving towards that. Are you closer to the image of God today than you were a year ago? Are you closer today than you were six months ago? Are you closer today than you were last week? Are you growing in God? Is your life being transformed into the image of the living God? What does it look like? Is he literally beginning to show himself through you? Because the obvious thing is, oranges and apples can't grow on the same tree. And whatever that seed is, that root that is growing in your life, whatever that is, it is going to produce fruit. See, I believe this. I believe a hypocrite is someone who acts perfect when they know they're not. I believe Christians are people who know they're not perfect and cling to the grace of Jesus, which gives them perfection. The greatest problem in the church is that we've tried to act perfect for so long, people think they can't come in. We ought to know we're screwed up. We ought to know who we are apart from Jesus. We ought to know who we are when, 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 when Jesus isn't in our life. You know, if God withdrew his presence, his spirit from my life today, I know who I would be. I know how far I can go away from the image of God. I know how far I still have to go. I'm not claiming perfection. What I am telling you is I know the one who is perfect. And I want people to know him as well. I want others to come to the realization that by trusting in his perfect life and his death on a cross and his salvation, we 
can come to a place of attaining to perfection that one day we will actually receive when we stand before him and he clothes us in his glory. And we're made perfect for all of eternity. Let me ask you this. Are you producing fruit that is consistent with your profession in Christ? It's a heart check. The third one that I would tell you is that you realize that the work done is superficial, that the work done is superficial. John 15, 5, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. See, here's the thing. When Jesus comes into your life and he's a part of you, he changes the very core of your being. And then when he begins to, to come into your life, he gives you your, that righteousness. The Holy Spirit begins to live and indwell you. And he begins to change the root of who you are. So that seed of the Holy Spirit comes in. You are made whole in Christ. It changes the root, the very core of your being. And from that change, that heart change, you begin to produce different fruit. It's not a superficial work. It is a deep heart change. Have you experienced that? Has God changed your heart? Has he done that work in you? Listen to Luke chapter 6. Verses 43 to 45, it says, No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, the mouth speaks. Matthew chapter 7, verse 15 through 20. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing. But inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruits you will recognize them. Do not pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles. Do, do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. So here's the deal, guys. Whatever's inside is ultimately coming out. We can hide it, we can, we can hold it in, but ultimately what is on the inside is coming out. When the boat gets rot, what's inside is going to come out. What is the fruit that's being produced in your life? The, 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 in that Matthew scripture, 7, 15 through 20, when it says a bad tree can't bear bad fruit, you'll know them by their fruit. That, that, that word for bad, that bad tree is actually can be translated to disease tree. What's he saying? Listen, if it's a diseased tree, it can't produce good fruit. But the awesome thing about it is that the Bible tells us that Jesus came and overcame the sickness of sin. That you and I can be made whole. That the worst heart, that the the person who is the furthest from God can have a heart change take place. God gives them a new heart And the fruit of their life begins to change. But it's not a superficial change. You would know if you come and you look at an apple tree with oranges. Somebody did what like you would with a Christmas tree. They hung oranges on it, right? It's superficial. There was no change. One of the greatest problems in the church is that we try to cover ourselves with false fruit. But ultimately, people realize it's superficial. When the boat gets rocked, what comes out? Is it fruit that God's producing in our lives? Or are we just trying to hang ornaments on ourselves to make ourselves look good? 
Has God changed the core of your being? It's kind of like, how many of you have seen the classic movie, Tommy Boy? Anybody seen that? Awesome movie, awesome movie. Um, definitely a classic, uh, right up there with Gone with the Wind and things like that, you know, um, awesome stuff. And so, um, anyway, um, Tommy boy, he's going into this huge meeting, right? And he's sweating profusely, kind of like what I'm doing right now. And he's sweating profusely. And you remember what he did? He took that pine tree, um, air freshener and he just started rubbing it all over himself. Y'all remember that? It's kind of like what we do when we know we're kind of smelly and, and we don't want to take a bath and we just put on deodorant. You just kind of, you start smelling like a taxi cab. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, it's just, it's just a cover up, but you really aren't any better. I believe that's what happens so many times with us as Christians, as, as, as people who, who, who come to church and we're just cultural Christians, but we've never had an encounter with Jesus. We just walk in and we put on this, this stuff to try to make us smell better. But on the inside, there's nothing that's changed. The thing I want to tell you today, people, is that Jesus Christ came. He lived a perfect life and he died on a cross. He was buried three days later he rose from the dead by the power of the holy spirit by the power of god and now he sits at the right hand of the father making intercession for you not so that you can go through life trying to adorn yourself and cover up a stench that you can't cover but so that he can give you a new heart and a new life so that you can live for him and bear fruit for the kingdom of god It's not a superficial change. It's a change that takes place at the core of your being. And this is the thing. If you have not experienced heart change, you have not experienced Jesus. And I'm just going to be real honest about that. Because I'm not going to stand before God one day and have God ask me, why didn't you tell him? The truth is, when you come to Christ, your heart changes. Have you, are you producing fruit for the kingdom of God? See, here's the deal. If you're here and and you're just, you're kind of wondering about who Jesus is and and you're not sure and and you're just trying to fill this whole thing out, man, listen, 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 we're glad you're here, right? We're glad you're here. And I want to tell you that Jesus will change your heart. He changed, if he changed my heart from what I used to be, he can change your heart. If he can make me better this year than I was last year, he can do that with anybody. I promise you, I'm probably the, the most stubborn person in this room right now, bar none. Probably the most selfish. She better not clap again. But if he can do what he did in my life, he can do it in anybody's life. And the thing I want to tell you, if, if you're here checking it out, we're glad you're here. But let me, let me just be real blunt and real honest with you. If you've been hanging around church for 15, 20, 30 years, and you've been pretending, and you've been acting it out, and you've been trying to adorn yourself with these Christian, this Christian look, but on the inside nothing's changed, this is what I would say. Make a decision. Make a choice. Because you're killing the rest of us. Period. You're killing us. Christianity that has lived lukewarm, that has lived, lived half on fire, half cold, that's lived in this way, has, has turned more people from Christ than any atheist, agnostic, Buddhist, Hindu, Muslim, whatever you want to name, than any of those ever have. My, 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 my challenge to you is make a choice. But get off the fence. Because what would be terrible is for for our lives to cause God's name to be profaned. But you know what? That's exactly what the church has done. Because we profess one thing, but our lives don't indicate 
what we profess. And so the work is not superficial. It takes place in our heart. The last one I would tell you is that you know that the fruit produced is only temporary and will not last. John 15, 6. If any... If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. Listen, it says it's it's thrown away and it does what? It withers. What happens to that fake fruit on the tree? It withers. It does not last. It's only temporary. It's only temporary. It really doesn't change anything. it's It's just temporary. Paul tells us the same thing in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. He says, listen, your works are going to be tried by fire. If, they're, if, it, if your works, if the things you build are, are built out of straw, if they're built out of hay, if they're built out of wood, if, if, it's going to be shown for what it is. If, if your works, if they're built out of gold or, or costly stones, precious stones or silver, it's going to be shown for what it is. My question is, is the fruit you're producing in your life something that's going to last? What are you producing? What fruit is being produced in your life? that that seed is being sown into the lives of other people so that, so that things are changing eternally, not temporarily. How sad to invest our lives, 60, 70, 80, 90 years, however long we live, for things that don't last. How sad when God has called us to make an eternal difference. To make an eternal difference. And here's the problem. And this is the frustration. I'm just going to be real honest. This is the frustration for me. I feel like week after week we talk about these things. But we walk out of the door and nothing changes. Marriages are still falling apart. We're still living out of our own selfish desires. Husbands still looking out for their own interests. Wives still looking out for their own interests. Making sure that our children, they, let's just not let them get in the way of what we want to do. And I'm, I'm honestly, I'm, kind of, I'm just sick of it. And where I'm at today is, folks, if we're not really going to abide in Christ, if we're not really going to take this serious, let's just be honest and quit. But my challenge to you today is today walk out of this place, cling to Christ in the, in the truth that he is, that he is your life. That, that there is no life apart from him. That, that if we don't abide in him, we, we produce nothing that lasts. You might build a great portfolio, but you know what it's going to do? It's going to burn. It's not any good. It's awesome to save, but when you can't even write a check to the church because of your savings account, you have an idol. It's awesome to have fun and take trips and do all this stuff. But you know what? If you're neglecting your family, you suck. Probably going to take some heat for that one. But folks, the bottom line. the bottom, and I'm, Listen, you got to hear this out of my heart. My, this is out of love, okay? I want you to produce the fruit that God has created you to produce. And I don't care what you've been through, what you're going through, or what you're going to go through. God is big enough. He is capable enough to use your life, your life, to change the lives of other people. 
What a privilege that the God of the universe would produce fruit through us. Eternal fruit that we would make ripples in the waters of eternity. That's you. You weren't created to be a spectator in this, this, this Christian game. You were created to be in the game, to be sold out, to be abiding in Christ, to be living for God, to, to, to allow other people to see the reality of who Jesus is in you. Come on. How incredible is that? Don't waste that opportunity. To abide in the God of the universe, universe, universe. Latch on to Jesus. Cling to Jesus. Listen, it, 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 it is truth that he is our life. He is our very breath. Hold tight to him. This is what I want to leave you with. I want, I want to give you three questions to ask yourself as we leave today. The first one is this. Are you willing to look honestly at your life today? Are you willing to look honestly at your life today? Are you willing to to be candid with yourself? That's one of the hardest things to do is to really be honest with yourself. The second question is, do you believe that the life offered by God through Jesus Christ is better than the life you can produce on your own? Do you believe that the life offered to you through Jesus Christ is better than the life you can produce on your own? If if the answer to either of those is no, then then I, I got nothing else for you. Because until the answer to those is yes, we really can't do much else. But but if you answered yes to those first two, then then, then I think you fall into one of two places. Some of you need to ask the question, am I attached to the wrong vine? Listen, if there's a true vine, there's also false vines, right? Am I attached to the true vine or am I a false branch? Have I truly attached myself to Jesus? Have I truly trusted in Jesus for my salvation? Am I living for God? Is he my savior? Has he clothed me with the perfection of God? If your answer is, is, is listen, I, I know I'm a Christian. I know I'm saved. Then you need to ask this question. What is God trying to prune from my life that I can be even more fruitful? That I can produce fruit ever increasingly? What is God trying to prune? God's not gonna let you stay the same in here. Listen, every one of us, there's something that God is trying to prune. What I call that is your next step. What is God telling you is your next step? What do you need to do? For some of us, listen, you fall into that first category. I need to attach myself to Christ. I need to abide in him. I need to trust in him for my salvation. That's your next step. For some of us who are in Christ, listen, there there are things in our lives that God is saying, you need to take your next step. What is God telling you? What's God calling you to What do you know in your heart right now, right here, today, right now that God is telling you to do? I guarantee you this room is full of people that you know in your heart right now. God has made very clear your next step. 
I want to tell you, listen, I know some of this stuff, it's probably like swallowing a sand spur, right? It's not real comfortable. But what I want to tell you guys is, listen, the fact that we can have life in Christ, the fact that we can produce ever-increasing fruit through the glory of Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, man, that is good news. That we don't have to go the way of the world, but there is a divine alternative in his name is Jesus. What's your next step? Is it to attach yourself to the vine? Is it to allow God to prune something from your life so that you can produce more fruit? It's a question I wanna leave you with because the honest truth is, listen, you can't walk in disobedience to God and produce fruit for the kingdom. Let's pray.